to Acts 28. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. We might not get all the way through the text. Acts 28, beginning at verse 1. Just as uh, a reminder, bringing you up to the context of the situation, Paul had been at sea on a merchant vessel under Roman guard on his way to Rome, and they've had a time of it. Coming through very bad weather, they lost their cargo, they lost their ship, they were able to get ashore on the shore on the coast of Malta. Verse 1 of chapter 28, after we were brought safely through, when we learned that the island was called Malta, the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging on his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now the neighborhood of that place, in the neighborhood of that place, were lands belonging to a chief man on the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when he was taken, and when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteola, Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And we came to Rome. And to the brothers there, we have... When, we, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome, Paul, allowed, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier that guarded him. Shall we pray? We ask for your guidance, Lord, as we look 
had a few points, a few thoughts to share about this passage. Help your servant to be clear and to the point that we may be faithful to you. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you're kind of like me, sometimes when you read these accounts, especially when there are records, accounts given about miraculous things, whether they're healing, or in this case, Paul is bitten by a snake and it doesn't bother him. We just kind of are overwhelmed a little bit. Wasn't that wonderful? Boy, I wish I could see something like that. What I would like to focus on this morning as we look at these things, just two basic points. Do not, never, ever diminish the importance of God's word and do not insist on the presence of miraculous gifts. We see a lot of Christianity troubled by these two points and if if we get distracted by things of this world and by things within ourselves we are not going to find any help in the word of God do not diminish the importance of God's word and do not insist on the presence of miraculous gifts as I mentioned the apostle had and, his, and the people he was traveling with had trouble at sea. They'd lost their cargo. They lost their ship. They finally made it to, on shore. And the native people showed us unusual kindness, according to the word. They kindled a fire and welcomed us. Because it had begun to rain and was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he put on them on the fire. And a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. One thing about people created in the image of God, most everyone, whether they believe in God or not, most everyone knows that there is right and there is wrong and there is some form of justice that will always play out for someone who's considered evil or a sinner or wrong. That's what's going on here. These people did not know God, did not believe God, but Paul is helping with the fire. He's got picked up a bundle of sticks. He laid them on the fire, and as soon as the snake hidden in that bundle of sticks warmed up, it struck out and bit Paul on the hand. And I can just imagine him holding his hand up and that thing dangling down, and he is saying, yikes. But he pulls it off and throws it in the fire, and everyone's, oh, surely, surely this man, he's a murderer. He may have been able to escape Neptune in the sea storm, but but he didn't get away with this. They kept watching, and they kept watching. And they kept watching. But Paul didn't swell up. 
He didn't weak. He didn't fall down. And then they all said, surely he must be a god. Again, they were wrong. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas were in the city of Lystra and they were preaching the gospel. Paul healed a layman, saw this man and saw that he had, the, uh, had faith enough for healing and healed this man to where he could walk again. And the people of Lystra got excited about that when they saw this beggar have his limbs, his legs restored. And they started crying out in their native tongue. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas could not quite understand at first. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. That's what they got excited about. The people of Lystra began to offer sacrifices. When Paul and Barnabas saw that, they tore their clothes. They shouted, you must not do this. So this idea that lost, pagan, unbelieving people see what something happened to Paul that is miraculous or by his own hand that is miraculous and they think, oh, he, he's got the power of a god. So what happened on Malta, as far as misunderstanding who Paul is, is not new. In Lystra, the apostle Paul, when he saw what they were trying to do to worship him and offer sacrifices because of him, says, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. We bring you good news. We bring you the word of the one true God, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. When he was at Lystra, he was preaching the gospel faithfully and performing miracles. Don't be distracted by the miracles. Every time you saw Christ preach and teach the word of God, it almost always accompanied, was accompanied by miracles. Every time you saw any of the apostles preach or teach the word of God, they were very often accompanied by miracles. But the miracles went away. The word remains. Do not diminish the importance of God's word. In your life, and in this day and in this time. If Paul was so troubled with the people of Lystra, trying to offer sacrifices and offerings because of him, thinking he was a god, I don't think he would have put, it up, put up with it in Malta either. It's not real clear from the text, but he would not have tolerated it. He would have set the record straight. He would have brought the focus back to the word of God. And I am certain he did. That's what we need to do as Christians. We need to focus upon the word of God. For our own lives and for the message we share with others. Do not diminish the importance of God's word. And do not insist on the presence of miraculous gifts. 
we see quite a bit of that today. Maybe not in Reformed churches, but you can't turn on your television on Sunday morning without finding somebody there trying to promote miracles, promote healing. The miracles have ended. And miracle gifts still seem to be a snag to the Christian's faith. Miracles, special gifts, were only meant to be temporary. They are no longer important. I hope that doesn't break your heart. If it does, then I was right. Miracles seem to be a snag in a lot of Christians' minds and hearts. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was teaching. Behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. First thing he did, the man's paralyzed. He can't walk. Your sins are forgiven. That's the important thing. The word of the gospel. The word of the Lord's grace. That's the important thing. But do you know what? It offended the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This man blasphemes. Verse 4 of Matthew 9 says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. The Bible says that when the people saw it, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Miracles were meant for te- as a temporary th- sign of authority. I came to proclaim the word of God here's my proof they were prophesied in the Old Testament that the coming Messiah would perform miracles here's the proof here's the proof for my apostles my disciples who have I give the authority to spread the gospel to continue the church Matthew 10 he called him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. But these were all temporary. And I know that sometimes, even myself, I will confess, sometimes I get weary and I get tired and I get discouraged and I say, Lord, please just show me something. But then I realize I am doubting his word. 
And I must not do that. Paul had the gift to heal the sick. And as he ministered to the people on the island of Malta, that's exactly what he did. He helped, he helped the ruler of the island's father heal him, and he healed others. Once they found out what this man could do, they came to him with the sick, and he healed them. And I am certain, although we don't see it explicitly here, I just cannot imagine the Apostle Paul missing this opportunity. He shared the gospel with them. He kept the focus where the focus belonged. Don't let miracle gifts become a snag to the Christian's faith. Miracle gifts, special gifts, were only meant as something that is temporary. And all of these special gifts have have ended. Now, we all know, you and I know, that the Lord still does miracles. We've prayed and we've seen some very miraculous things. Each and every one of us here could give a testimony of our own lives or someone whom we know who had been diagnosed with some disease and prayer was offered for them and they went back to the doctor and the doctor could find no sign whatsoever. I've heard episode after episode after episode. Yes, the Lord still has the sovereign authority to perform miracles in answer to our prayers. But it's not focused around the life of one man or person. That's why I believe in James it tells the elders, if there's any sick among you, let the elders go and lay hands upon them and anoint them and pray. Take the focus away from one man, whether to be apostle or disciple. Put the focus back on the power of the Spirit through prayer for your healing. That's where it is meant to be. We are supposed to focus upon the Word. We envy people who lay claim to miracles sometimes. But they neglect the authority of the word. They forget what the power has already done. If you think that miracle gifts or miracle performance is something that should be in a Christian's life, then you are forgetting about the miracle of God's word already performed in your life. Ephesians chapter 2, we were talking about this at small group the other night. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived 
and the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were dead. That's the way scripture describes it. We were not able to respond to any light or any truth. We could not see it because we preferred the devil's lie. Ephesians 2, 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your dead soul has already been brought to life. There's the miracle. You want a miracle in your life? Do not neglect what God has already done for you. If you know him, if you've received him as your savior, you are no longer spiritually dead. Now, you may never have really realized what was going on when you did get saved. It might have just been an awareness. But it was a resurrection. Your eyes opened. I don't think any one of us were ever very aware at all. When life was formed for each and every one of us that first time in your mother. But it was a life that was formed. And we as Christians when the Holy Spirit breathes new life into our souls, that is resurrection. That is new life being formed. You are a new creature created in Christ Jesus. That's why the Lord Jesus himself told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It is a spiritual birth. power of God's word has already performed a miracle in your life but that is rarely perceived as enough Lord I'm glad you saved me but what have you shown me lately and I confess sometimes I am guilty but what breaks my heart quite a bit is I've, I've seen it again and again and again over the last 30 years. People who profess faith in Christ Jesus, they revert back to sinful habits. And they may be here on Sunday morning, but if they do not repent, they will eventually slip away into the darkness and you won't see them anymore. If they ever come for any counsel, they may not like what the preacher tells them, in fact, they very often don't. And they just say, well, I don't need to repent. All I need to do is go find another church. 
or stop believing altogether. If the word of God is not enough for your soul, if the miracle of your new birth is not enough, then you need to go check the dipstick on your soul. Something's not right. Something's not level. Something's, something there is not enough. If you don't respect the word in your own life, then you're just telling the Lord, I don't think it's very important. You're in trouble. The old Baptist preacher used to call it backsliding. Just because God doesn't reveal anything miraculous in your life, does not diminish the authority of his word over your whole life. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you are bought with a price. That price is his shed blood for your redemption. Do not disrespect it. Do not disregard it. He has already given you in, in the salvation and redemption Provided by his son, he has already given you more, so much more than you deserve. Don't get so proud that you think he's going to give you health and wealth and ease. That he's going to answer every one of your prayers. He owes you nothing. And I don't say that to make you depressed but I say that to get you to wake up. It would really offend you if I told you what you really deserve. Right? Because I think you do know what you really deserve. You don't need to go searching for a special word from the Lord. You already have his word before you in the pages of scripture. Do not diminish the importance of scripture in your life. Did you know that the Bible teaches? And I tread lightly here because I don't want anyone to misunderstand the Bible teaches that we are supposed to experience a physical response to the truth the Bible teaches. Some people say, well, I just want the word of God to mean something to me. Well, okay, I can go along with that because I believe the Bible teaches that we're supposed to have a spiritual we're supposed to have a physical response to the spiritual truth in Scripture. I'm not talking about some liver quiver or some one warm fuzzy emotional event. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 120, My flesh 
trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. There is a physical response to the word of God. Do we ever tremble before the Lord, before his word? Isaiah 66, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What is a house that you will build for me? And what is a place of my rest? He's asking the people of the Lord, where shall I dwell? And he gives them an answer. All these things my hands have made. And so all these things came to be. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. There is a physical response to the presence of God's word in your life. Do we revere the word of God that much? Do we treasure it that much? That it makes that kind of a difference in our lives. You wonder why the Lord doesn't bring revival. You wonder why people seem to be so divided in the church. It's because no one is paying attention to what the word of God has taught them. They all kind of say, this is what I think it says. No, that's not what it says. We need to tremble at what it truly does say. That's the responsibility of the church, and I believe that the Apostle Paul was doing that on the island of Malta. He was spreading the gospel. He was establishing churches as he went. I'm almost certain, though I can only assume because Scripture is not explicit here. But if he's preaching the gospel, he's starting a church. And he was there for three months. He could have gotten a small group together and begun something new. Because that's where he did what he did everywhere he went. He would have established some leadership there, some elders, perhaps even some deacons. He would have left, either left someone or sent someone back to oversee them until they got strong enough and mature enough to continue on. Do not diminish the importance of God's word and do not insist on the presence of miraculous gifts because they pretty much are no more. The word is the important thing in your life. And since it was the work of the Apostle Paul to preach the gospel and to plant churches, it is our work as well to hold the people of God accountable to what Scripture teaches, what the Word preaches. First Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder 
and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. Exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you. Not for the shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, here he's speaking about a physical response to the word of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The care of the Lord Jesus Christ, the care of God the Father, the care of the Holy Spirit is found within the righteous walls of the church that are defined by Scripture, and we need to acknowledge that. We cannot find, we cannot grow, we cannot be made whole, we cannot have spiritual health outside the proper place within the church, within a proper church. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for this time together and for your word and its truth and its strength and its power. May we recognize its authority in our lives. May we set aside our pride and in full submission Let us humble ourselves before you. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.